Well, today I am excited because we're going to begin a brand new series this morning that's going to carry us through the month of August. And we're going to talk about a message today entitled, God Hates. A little bit different than what you hear normally in church on Sunday morning. I thought it was appropriate that our last song this morning, we focused on the love of God. Amen. How much God does love us. And we're going to see some awesome things from this series. And I hope the title itself just kind of shocks you a little bit. I hope it makes you think because we live in a crazy culture where the love of God has almost become this umbrella to condone and empower sin. Right? We have a culture today that because God is love, people say, that means anything goes and you can live any way you want to live and do anything you want to do and God's okay with it because God is love. Well, what we're going to see over the next four weeks is that yes, God is love, but we're also going to see that God hates and we're going to recognize seven specific things according to Scripture that God hates. By the way, there's a lot more than seven, but we're going to zone in on seven of those things. And you're going to see some powerful truth today. I hope that's going to not only kind of awaken us, but I hope that it's also going to equip us to engage our culture. How many of you recognize that if somebody doesn't stand up and speak up declaring truth, then the lie automatically wins? If there is no voice of truth, then the voice of deception easily takes a culture and sweeps away a generation. And unfortunately, we have a lot of people being swept away in a culture of deception because the church has been silent when it comes to confronting truth in our nation because nobody wants to come across as being hateful or cruel or unkind. And what we're going to see is that when you understand what God hates, it doesn't mean you have to be hateful. <laughs> You're going to actually find out that when you understand what God hates, it calls you to a new level of love that has the power to transform and change a world. So let's look in the first John chapter verse 7 through 11 the apostle John says this he says dear friends let us continue to love one another for love comes from God and anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God but anyone who does not love does not know God for God is love y'all say that with me God love. right love is not what God does love is who God is God is the source of all love now how many know love's kind of got a bad name in our culture today how many know there are different elements of love? There ought to be a difference between I love pizza and I love my family. <laughs> there ought to be a difference between I love my football team and I love Jesus. Come on, somebody. Right? And so love has kind of become this little banner word that we throw around. But I want you to understand God is the source of all love, agape love, that unconditional, sacrificial, life-changing, transformational love that lays down its life for other people to find truth and life in Jesus Christ. That is the love of God. And God is love. He's the source of all love. Look at that very next verse, verse 9. And God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we may have eternal life through Him. And this is real love. You want to know what real love is? Here it is. Real love is not what the world says it is. Real love is that we, not that we love God, but that He loved us. And He sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. 
So dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. So look at that first point if you're a note taker today. So God is love and because God is love, God hates. Because God is love, God hates. Why? Because God loves righteousness, God hates evil. How many know you can't love righteousness and love evil? God loves righteousness, therefore God hates evil. God loves justice, therefore God hates injustice. How many know God hates corruption? God hates perversion. God hates the injustice that happens in our world. God hates it. And last but not least, this is where we're going to drill down on over the next four weeks. God loves sinners. Can I get an amen? amen. And because God loves sinners, guess what? God hates sin. Because God loves sinners, God hates sin. And every parent and grandparent, all the parents, grandparents, raise your hands again one more time. Here we go, awesome. Every parent and grandparent in the room knows this to be true. We understand what it means to have a love-hate relationship. Because if you love your kids, you know what? You hate the things that destroy them. You will never show me the parent of a drug addict that doesn't hate drugs. You'll never show me the parent of an alcoholic that doesn't hate alcohol. You know why? Because if you really love your kids, you hate the things that destroy them. If you really love your child, you hate the addiction. You hate the the stronghold of the enemy. You hate the perversion. You hate the corruption. You hate the lies. You hate the manipulation. If you really love, you have to hate And God is love. And because God loves sinners, guess what? God hates sin. Look at that next point. I want you to see this. So God loves us so much and God hates sin so much that he sent his son to die as a sacrifice for our sins. And Jesus' death and resurrection, think about this, has not diminished God's hatred for sin. It has elevated it. God loves sinners and God hates sin so much that he was willing to give his son as a sacrifice for sin. Imagine all you parents that raised your hand a while ago. If you sacrificed your child to set someone free from sin, how much you must love those people and how much you must hate that sin that cost the life of your son. The scripture says God does not wink at wickedness or unrighteousness. Why? Because God despises the things that destroy the lives of his people. And just like a good parent that will fight for his child, so God fights for his children. And somebody thankful for that today. Can I get an amen? And on the cross, God declared his love for sinners. And on the cross, God declared his hatred for sin. And he was willing to abolish the power of sin so that he could redeem sinners and rescue us and bring us into a redeeming relationship with God. God loves you so much that he hates sin so much that he was willing to give his son as a substitute for our lives. And what's powerful when you really begin to understand what God hates is when you understand what God hates, you actually begin to understand how you ought to live your 
life because God hates the things that still kill and destroy. God hates the things that undermine your purpose and His vision and His redemption and salvation for your life. And when you really understand what God hates, it empowers you to live your life. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. It's to hate evil. And all of a sudden, we begin to recognize that as we dive into Scripture, and today we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 6. We're going to spend the next four weeks there, actually, because in Proverbs chapter 6, Solomon gives us this little insight. He identifies seven things that God hates. And again, there's a lot more than seven. But we're going to drill down on seven of those over the next few weeks. So look with me in Proverbs 6. It says, these six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to Him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. These seven things God hates. So look at that next point. God hates a proud look. We're going to talk about pride today. God hates a proud look. Why? Because pride destroys the lives of those who embrace it and the lives of those who are oppressed by it. I love the Bible and I love what it means to follow Jesus because God continually opens our eyes and our understanding. As I was studying this message, as God was kind of downloading these truths in my life, I began to see something about pride I'd never seen before. I'd recognize that pride destroys the hearts and the lives of people that embrace it. When I embrace pride, pride brings destruction. But what I did not recognize, at least to the degree that I have now seen through Scripture, is that pride not only destroys my life, but pride creates an oppression that actually begins to destroy the lives of other people. And we're going to look at that today. Because all of us in this room have been impacted by pride in our own hearts because no one is exempt from it. And all of us have probably felt the sting and the weight of oppression that comes through pride in other people's lives. Proverbs 16 verse 18, if you're a student of scripture, you probably know this verse. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. Think about it like this. Pride paves the way for your destruction. Pride paves the way for your deception. Pride paves the way for your devastation to come. Pride goes before destruction. And a haughty, prideful, arrogant spirit goes before the fall. The truth is, nothing good comes from pride. I wrote down a couple things. I really felt like the Holy Spirit specifically said. I, I wrote it down because I didn't want to mess it up. Just a couple thoughts here. Pride causes us to look down on other people. The scripture actually said God hates a prideful look. Pride causes us to look down on other people. This is especially dangerous in the Christian community, right? If we are not careful, we will become religious, legalistic people like the scribes and the Pharisees in Jesus' day who looked down their long religious noses at those poor, pitiful little people with contempt in their heart 
toward others. I am so thankful that Liberty Church is the kind of church that says, whosoever you are, wherever you are, just come, and we're going to love you right where you are on the way to where God has called you to be. Can I get an amen from somebody today? We don't care what you look like, smell like, feel like. We don't care where you've been and what you've done. Why? Because we know what God has done and what God can do when you and I are willing to step away from our pride that separates us from God and humble ourselves before the Lord. It is astounding what God can do. And the church is created to be a place where broken, hurting, wounded people can be restored and redeemed by the grace of God. Of God, but pride looks down on people. Pride not only looks down on people, pride actually begins to push people down. Pride will not only look at you with contempt, but pride will begin to push you through oppression and manipulation to keep you down below me. There's something about pride. Pride is self-centered, self-focused, and self-serving. Pride exalts self. And we're going to see in just a few moments from the scripture, pride wants to elevate you to a place where you become God and the center of the universe and everything and everybody ought to revolve around you. Let me just read to you what the Holy Spirit said. He said, Keith, pride makes us think that the world does revolve around us, that everyone should do everything they can to please me. <laughs> because if you don't please me, listen to this, you will pay. I will punish you. Pride punishes people that don't please them. Pride says it's all about me and you should do what I want you to do and you should respond the way I want you to respond and you should act the way I want you to act. And if you don't respond the way I want you to respond and you don't react the way I want you to act and you don't choose the choice that I want you to choose, I will punish you. And maybe I'll punish you with my anger. With some vile, hateful, cruel, calloused words. And maybe you will feel the leash of my anger through the words that I speak to you. Because you didn't do what I wanted you to do. And you didn't respond the way I wanted you to respond. And you didn't act the way I wanted you to act. So you will pay. And I wonder how many times we've been on the receiving end of those angry, prideful words. And I wonder how many times we've been on the giving end. Of those angry, prideful words. I will punish you. You will pay. Maybe you won't pay through my anger. Maybe you'll pay through my silence. Over and over and over again, I meet more and more people that punish the people that don't do what they want them to do, act the way they want them to act, and respond the way they want them to respond. I'm just not going to talk to you. You're going to get my silence. I'm not going to acknowledge you. I'm not going to text you back. I'm not going to respond to your message. And you're going to act like you're nobody. And it may take me a day. It may take me a week. It may take me a month to decide that I want to talk to you again. But until I do, you're going to suffer because you didn't do what I wanted you to do and you didn't act the way I wanted you to act and you didn't respond the way I wanted you to respond. And the pride in my heart says, I am God and you should serve me. Maybe I won't punish you with my anger. Maybe I won't punish you with my silence. Maybe I'll punish you with my violence. We live in a world now where there is so much physical abuse, so much anger, so much violence that happens from the circumstances of physical abuse and we're hitting and hurting one another to literally murder. 
where we take the lives of other people, rape, molestation, and all of a sudden we see that the world is filled. Our prisons are filled with violent criminals who because of pride responded to somebody that didn't do what they wanted them to do, act like they wanted them to act, respond like they wanted them to respond. And pride not only destroys our lives, but pride causes us to become become offenders that begin to oppress, look down, push down, and ultimately step on other people. Because they didn't do or say what I want them to do. Now, I'm not saying people shouldn't do right. And I'm not saying people shouldn't act right. And I'm not saying people shouldn't respond right. But how many of you know your response is your responsibility? Come on, band of brothers. Your response is your responsibility. And just because other people didn't respond the way you want them to respond and act the way you want them to act does not give you permission to punish them. Because that's pride. And so you will pay for what you did to me because I will punish you until I feel like you've suffered enough. You know, when I think about that, it's no wonder in my heart why God hates pride. It's no wonder in my heart why God hates pride. He hates what it does to us. He hates what pride does to other people people it becomes the root of so many violent and oppressive things look at that next thought pride is the root of rebellion it is the fuel that feeds the fire of oppression and violence in our world all spiritual disobedience is rooted in pride think about it like this when what I think trumps what God says that's pride when my opinion becomes more important than God's word that's pride When my ideology and my philosophy and the path that I choose to live my life becomes more significant than what God says and how God says I should live my life, that is pride. Pride says I am smarter, wiser, and more insightful than the God who made me. Isaiah 53 says this, All of us like sheep have turned away. We have turned everyone to our own way. And God has laid on Jesus the iniquity and the sins of us all. To me, the simplest definition of rebellion and disobedience is when I choose my path over God's path. See, we have in the Christian church what I like to call unholy buts. People say, well, I know the Bible says this, but but my circumstance doesn't apply that. But my life is an exemption to the rule. But I really don't fit in that standard. I know the Bible says, but that don't really apply to me. Those unholy buts are rooted in our pride and our arrogance that is leading us down paths of destruction if we could all be really honest with ourselves and we could look back over our lives every time we had an unholy butt and proceeded down that path it did not end well it didn't end well I want want to challenge us today to think about something. The Lord began to show me something as I was studying this that not only is all of our rebellion rooted in pride 
But he said, Keith, think about all the sexual and the gender confusion that is in our world today is rooted in pride. All the sexual and gender confusion in our world today is rooted in pride. Consider the logic behind this for just a second. First of all, let me just say to you today, not only is homosexuality sin, but what the Bible calls fornication, which means if you're not married and you're having sex, that's sin. Adultery, we kind of know what that is. If you are married and having sex with somebody else besides your spouse, that is sin. Let me tell you something. All those are sin. And God hadn't changed his mind. And when I choose my way over God's way, that's pride. When I allow my preference to override God's authority, that is pride. And even in the Christian church, right, sex outside of marriage becomes this little thing where, you know, we're just in love. God says it's sin. All the sexual corruption and perversion in our world is rooted in a prideful arrogance that exalts itself above God. God, I know better than you. God, I know you say it's sin. Why does God say it's sin? Because sin brings death. Everybody in this room that lived a sexually unrighteous life can testify that yes, there may have been a pleasure in sin for a season, but the end result was not great things. It was broken hearts and broken lives and broken relationships. And many people struggle to function in a healthy marriage because they carry so much baggage from ungodly sexual relationships that roll over into their covenant marriage. God doesn't hate sin because He doesn't want you to have fun. God hates sin because sin destroys people's lives. It destroys us. It eats away at who we were created to be. It undermines the very thing that God wants to do in us, which is to bless us and prosper us and allow us to live a life that not only honors God, but brings good into our souls. When you think of all the gender confusion that's happening, all the LGBTQ stuff and all the pronouns and all the things that I'm struggling to keep up with. Let me just tell you something. Think about Think about the logic in the pride in gender identity and confusion. I am not who God created me to be. I am who I choose to be. And if I choose to be something at five years old, or maybe I choose to be something different at 15 years old, or maybe I choose to be something different at 50 years old, I am not who God made me to be. I am who I choose to be. That's pride. And all of a sudden, we have an entire culture that is bombarded with a spirit of pride. And when, when, when the homosexual community says we have gay pride, they are right. It is gay pride. And pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. God is not angry at them. God loves them, but He hates the sin that is destroying their lives. Your gender identity is not a choice. It is created by design. And God made them male and female. And no one has ever been born anything but male or female. And if you're like me and you like any of those crazy little mystery shows, 
those CSI shows. Isn't it interesting that they can discover the bones of somebody who's been buried for 100 years and by the DNA of their body, they can tell whether they're a male or a female. Because God made you that way. It is not a choice that you make. It is a privilege that you have been given by Creator God. And it is pride that says my choice trumps my Creator. That's pride. Look at Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14 gives us this amazing insight into the fall of Satan. It says, How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Son of the morning, how are you cut down to the ground? You are weakened, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation on the furthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. And I will be like the most high. There's a lot of eyes in there. <laughs> I will I will be like God. I will ascend above the throne of God. I will be worshipped as God. Pride turns you into a false God that begins to think that you are the center of the universe and everything and everyone should revolve around you. But you were created by God who loves you and hates the pride that wants to deceive and defile you and destroy our lives. Look what God says. He says, Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. And those who see you will gaze at you and consider you, saying, Is this the man who made the earth to tremble, who shook the kingdoms, who made the world as a wilderness and destroyed its cities, who did not open the house of prisoners? Pride says, I know better than you know. I am smarter than you. I am stronger than you. And this is what pride says. I will do what I want to do because I can do it. I'll do what I want to do because I can do it. That's pride. How many know liberty and freedom is not the right to do what you want to do? It is the right to live as you ought to live. Liberty and freedom is the right to do what is right in the eyes of God. God did not liberate us from sin so we could continue in sin. God did not liberate us from bondage so we could return to bondage. God did not set us free from the strongholds of the enemy so we could enter again into those same strongholds of the enemy. But pride says, I'm going to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it, and with whoever I want to do it, and you can't stop me. And it's right. I can't stop you. But one day, you and I will all stand before God. And you and I will give an account for how we lived our lives. And you and I will not be judged by the opinions of man or by the cultural ideologies of our world. We will be judged by the standard of the truth of God's Word. And the same God that created you is the same God that will one day judge you. And he loves you so much. And he hates sin so much that he sent his son Jesus to pull us out of the destruction of sin and bring us into the life of God. Temporal and eternal in heaven. Look at that last point. 
God resists the proud. God resists the proud in all forms of pride. Like an army at war against an enemy, God has declared war on pride. Listen to this last statement. We're going to read some more scripture together. God is fighting for you. Let me tell you something right now. Doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, God's fighting for you. John chapter 3, verse 16. We all know that scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. I love, I love verse 17, maybe a little bit more. Because verse 17 says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Christ might be saved. God is always fighting for you. But I want you to hear this. God is always fighting for you. But when you and I are filled with pride, God will resist us in order to destroy the pride that is within us. God has declared war against pride. Just as a loving parent will fight for their children to keep them away from the things that are destroying their lives, so a loving God will fight for His children to keep us away from the things that destroy our lives. Pride being at the top of that list. James chapter 4, but God gives more grace. Therefore, He says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The word resist literally in the, in the Greek means to set in battle array against. God sets himself in battle against pride. God resists the proud. Why? Because he loves us. Why would God resist us? Why would God confront us? Why would God stand in the way of a next step or next season in our life? Let me tell you why. Because if you're being led by pride, pride goes before destruction. And God loves you too much not to resist the pride that is within us. Think about the fact today that hell is filled with people. Not that God doesn't love. Every person in hell is loved by God. They are greatly loved. But they're not in hell because God didn't love them. They're in hell because they resisted God. And they allowed pride to deceive them. I got this. I don't need God. I can do it. I'll choose my own way and I'll live my own life and I'll die my own death. And they're right. They will. And they will live and they will die without God because of pride. And hell is filled not with people that God doesn't love. Hell is filled with people who have allowed pride to deceive them into rejecting the only one that could save them and deliver them from bondage. Now, and I want to give you an example out of Scripture. Exodus chapter 4, I want you to see this Scripture with me. Exodus chapter 4 is an amazing Scripture. It's one of those Scriptures that for years, early in my Christian life, man, I wrestled with this Scripture. I didn't understand what was going on. And this Scripture is a beautiful picture of what God talks about in James chapter 4. God resists the proud. 
Exodus chapter 4, verse 24, it's the story of Moses. Y'all remember Moses raised in Egypt? He ends up killing somebody trying to deliver the children of Israel. He flees out in the wilderness, and for 40 years he's been out in the wilderness. And Moses in Exodus 4, right before this verse, has just had this amazing burning bush encounter with God, right? God has spoken to him. God has showed up in this amazing burning bush. And now, verse 24, Moses is responding in obedience. Listen to me. He is responding in obedience to the call of God to go to Egypt and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Look what the Bible says. And on the way to Egypt, at a place where Moses and his family had stopped for the night, the Lord confronted him, speaking of Moses, and what does that last part say? And was about to what? And the Lord confronted Moses and was about to kill him. I remember reading that for the first time. And I'm like, God, that don't even make sense. You called him to go to Egypt. In obedience, he's going to Egypt. And the first day, first day's journey, at the end of the day, they camp for the night. And the Bible says, God, you confronted Moses and sought to kill him. Now. Let's think about this for a second. How many of you understand that if God wanted Moses dead, he'd have been dead? I've said for years, if God wants to take you out, you'll be taken out. He's a good shot. Okay? He's the best sniper on the planet. So if God wants you out, you're out. God did not want to kill Moses. God confronted Moses. What was happening in Exodus 4 is what James tells us about in James chapter 4. And that is that God resists the proud. How could Moses have been prideful and arrogant? Well, let me show you how. Look at the very next verse. This is awesome. It says, but Moses' wife. Somebody say, praise God for our wives. That was weak. Come on. Praise God for our wives. But Moses' wife, Zipporah, took a flint knife, circumcised her son, which was Moses' son also, touched his feet with the foreskin and said, Now you are a bridegroom of blood to me. And when she said a bridegroom of blood, she was referring to the circumcision. And after that, the Lord left him alone. What in the world does that even mean? <laughs> it's amazing. It's one of the best scriptures in the entire Bible. Because this is what the Lord showed me years ago. He said, Keith, he said, before there was Moses, there was another guy. Do y'all remember his name? His name was called Abraham. Before there was a Moses, there was an Abraham. And God made a covenant with the children of Israel through Abraham. And it was a covenant of what? Circumcision. How many of y'all glad we got a new covenant today? Can I get an amen? <laughs> it was a covenant of circumcision. And this is what the Lord said to me. He said, Keith, Moses was trying to fulfill the call of God while living outside the covenant of God. Moses had come how some to the place, well, you know, God, I know you said that all of our sons are supposed to be circumcised, but that probably don't apply to me. I know you said, God, this was the sign of our covenant with you, but that probably don't apply to me. I mean, I'm not in Egypt. I'm not living here. I'm over here. God, surely that doesn't apply to me. Guess what? It applied to him. 
And so when Zipporah circumcised their son through the circumcised flesh at Moses' feet, she said, you're a husband of blood to me. The Bible says God moved out of the way and led him through. Why? Because that's what God wanted all the while anyway. God didn't want to stop him. God was resisting him because God wanted to destroy the pride in him that would keep him from fulfilling the call of God that was on his life. Let's just be honest. We all know in the Christian community, one thing that will take you the call of God on your life is P-R-I-D-E. Pride in our heart that we begin to think it's all about us. Pride in our heart that we begin to think we're all that in a bag of chips, right? Pride that begins to creep in. And let's just be honest. No one in this room, no one watching online is exempt from that little thing called pride from rising up in us. And here's the crazy thing. The greater things that God does through you, the greater the opportunity is for pride to slip into your heart and begin to take credit for what only God can do. And so all of a sudden, the Lord said, Keith, he said, recognize something. I was resisting Moses not because I was fighting against him. I was resisting Moses because I was fighting for him. He said, I love Moses and the call I had on his life, but I hate the pride that wants to rob us of that. And then in, in James chapter 4, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The very next verse, verse 7 says, Therefore submit to God. Submission is the exact opposite of pride. Pride says, I'm going to do my way, my life, how I choose to do it. I'm going to do what I want to do the way I want to do it because I am my own God. That's pride. So God says, submit to God, resist the devil, and the devil will flee from you. And this is what the Lord said. He said, Keith, there are going to be many people listening to you today. He said, they've been rebuking the devil and nothing's happening. He said, because maybe they're not resisting the devil. Maybe they're resisting me. Maybe they're not fighting against the devil. Maybe they're fighting against me. Maybe I've stood in the way because I love them to deal with some pride that's in their life that's ultimately going to keep them from doing what I've called them to do. I don't know about you. I've met some roadblocks along the way. You ever met any of those roadblocks? I mean, I've rebuked the devil and rebuked the devil and rebuked the devil and rebuked the devil. And finally, one day, I got a clue. I might need to repent. I need to stop rebuking. And maybe I need to start repenting of the pride in my life that's actually keeping me from pressing through. Let me tell you what, I can kick the devil's butt, but God will kick my butt every day. I can overcome the enemy, but I can't overcome my God who wants to stop, not me, he wants to stop the pride that's within me from causing me to stumble and fall. And not only hurting me, how many of you know that your own failure and the devastation that pride brings into your life doesn't just hurt you? It hurts all the people that love you. Think about all the confusion right now in our world. The sexual gender confusion. Think about that. I talk to parents that are grieving and broken over the fact that their children are struggling with who they are just in their own gender and their own identity. Everybody that loves that child is grieving and broken. They're angry not at the child. They're angry at the fact that their child is struggling with something 
that in their generation they never even thought twice about it. Now there's this real battle that's raging in their life because there is a spirit of pride that says choose who you are. That your identity is made by your choice instead of by your creator. Think about the marriages that have been destroyed. Think about the families that have been torn apart. Think about financial failure and setback that's happened because of pride and arrogance, because of high-mindedness. Think about all the abuse, the rape, the trauma, the murder, the tragedy that's taken place in our world because somebody wanted their way so much and they felt they deserved to have what they wanted to have and you were going to pay for it, maybe even with your life. God hates pride because God loves sinners and he loves his church and he loves those who have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb and he's calling us to a place of humility God gives grace to the humble what a beautiful picture of what God wants to do let's just bow our heads today if you're here in this room or you're watching online, I want to just challenge you right now. Check your heart. God, is there any pride in me? Have any of the things that we've talked about, any of the things that's been said here today, do those things apply to my life? Have I, have I been punishing people with anger or silence or violence? Have, have I been trying to manipulate and control people? Have I withheld love because somebody didn't please me? Have I allowed my heart to become so self-centered, self-focused, and self-serving that somehow I even think God should serve me instead of me serving God? And I want to just challenge you today. Do what I've had to do a million times. <laughs> Repent. Confess your sin. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. God, forgive me of all pride. I pray that prayer regularly, even when I don't even realize there's anything in me. I say, Lord, if there's any pride in me, anything in me, God, I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to cleanse me. I ask you to create in me a clean heart and renew within me a right spirit. God, I want to walk in a humble, obedient place of submission to your will. God, help me to be a humble servant, not a prideful person. So maybe you just need to do some business right now. I'm just going to tell you, let me give you some good news. That roadblock that you've met that you thought was the enemy, that maybe you realize now has been because of pride, the moment you repent, what was once blocked becomes open. What was once hindered becomes unhindered. Because the truth is, God's calling you to go somewhere. God's calling you to do something. God's calling you to be the person He's created you to be. But pride gets in the way and God resists us, not because he's against us, but because he's fighting for us and he will stand in the way and say, you can't go forward until we deal with this thing in you because the devastation on the other side is worse than you could even imagine. And God in his love stands in the way and contends with us. 
If you're in that place today, right now, repentance is the key to your breakthrough. And God will make a way. And what seemed impossible will become doable by the grace of God. The last thing I want to do today is what we do every Sunday, and that is simply this. Maybe you're here this morning and you realize that pride has really kept you from coming to God. You've been choosing your way, your will, your path. And maybe you heard what I said, that hell is not filled with people that God doesn't love. Hell is filled with people who allowed pride to keep them from submitting to God. Hell is filled with people that have allowed pride to separate them from a loving Father who died on a cross through His Son to redeem all humanity. And if you're here this morning or you're watching online and you say, you know what, Pastor Keith, I've never truly submitted my life to Christ. I've been living my life my way. And I realize that's sin and that's pride. And I realize that road is a road of destruction. But today I want to choose Jesus. Today I want to submit my life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I want to receive the gift of eternal life and the forgiveness of sins. And if that's you right now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand across this building. If you're watching online, just type in that chat box, I'm raising my hand. Or hit that little hand emoji. Just slip your hand up right now. Today I want to accept Christ. I want to submit my life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We're about to pray. This is your opportunity. To lay down pride, resist pride, submit to God, and find freedom. So if that's you, I want to pray with you this morning. If you're watching online, this prayer is for you. Let's pray it together out loud, all of us together in this room. Let's say it now. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I confess that I have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I repent of the pride that has kept me from you. And I ask Jesus Christ to be my Lord and my Savior. I submit my life to you, Lord. And I receive by faith the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ, my Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God today. We love you. God bless you. Have a great day. For all of our uh, children moving up into our sixth grade youth ministry, uh, modular number five, please join our youth team out there, moms, dads, and kids alike. We love you guys. Have a blessed day in the Lord. Amen.